Welcome to another episode of the Underground Bunker Podcast. Uh, this is your proprietor, Tony Ortega, and I'm so thrilled this week I get to talk to both Spanky Taylor and Karen Presley, who happen to be together and for a very interesting reason. Uh, Karen is celebrating her 25th anniversary out of the Church of Scientology, and she decided to celebrate it by going out to L.A. and hanging out with some of her good friends, like Spanky. And I'm amazed I have Spanky on this thing at all, because she's not she's <laughs> not somebody that seeks publicity. So <laughs> Spanky and Karen, thank you so much for coming on the Underground Bunker podcast. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having us, Tony. We're doing great. It's it's just awesome to be with Spanky, especially at this time of you know, of my celebration. Couldn't Hi. couldn't do it better. Tony, thank you so much for inviting me on. I love doing this with Karen too. And love it to be with you. We go way back, don't we, Spanky? Oh, don't we, don't we? Oh, you know, I was at the uh, New Times Los Angeles in the late 90s. Yes. When we started talking very secretly. Yes, and you helped yeah, you helped me out with Ooh. some stories. So that's it's been a long, long relationship. Karen, I know more recently, but mm -hmm. you and I have been sharing a lot of interesting stories recently. And uh what are some of the things you're hoping to do while you're out there, Karen? Really, I really wanted to, it's funny, you know, when you're in the Sea Org or in Scientology, sometimes you just don't get to really know the people that you like because there is no time. You're working almost 24 seven. And I've always loved Spanky and Tori Chrisman, who I'm here to see. And uh, like Tori mentioned it last night, she has learned so much about me over the past three days that she didn't know. And I'm learning so much about Spanky and about Tori, just who we are as people, but particularly how we've changed, how we've coped and like navigated creating a whole new life after losing everything. And so we've been swapping stories, swapping experiences, and it's really been amazing. I've even thought about writing a book about the three of us because we've learned how much we have in common, actually. And also, Tony, the thing is, it wasn't so much the leaving, which is hard enough, but the recovery is so hard. Yeah. So to get out and create lives for us, so it's a big deal. So Karen's created a good life and I have and Tori is on her way. Mm -hmm. So, well, let me ask you this, uh, Spanky. Um, today, how long have you been out, Spanky? I, I Well, I left the Sea Org class of 78, I always say, but um, I got declared in 91, I think. But I, in that time, I started getting therapy and, and got a lot of help. I had an intervention that was arranged by the Jewish Federation and and it was brilliant. And it really created a path to my complete healing because I was severely broken, severely broken. And I don't think I would have had a life. And now I have a successful business. I own homes and I'm cars and I'm I'm grateful. Well, I, what I want to ask, though, and, and Karen, you too, you've both been out for quite a while. Do you still find there are times when Scientology thinking sort of shades the way you see some a situation or that you realize, oh gosh, that's that's that Scientology training kicking in again. Does it last that long or have you completely gotten rid of it? That is a great question. And as a matter of fact, the three of us were talking about that very thing last night. And for me, um, of course, just I want to backtrack for a second. I had no idea until last night that Spanky Taylor basically went through therapy and had an intervention in order for her to 
get her feet back on the ground, get her head screwed on straight, get her emotions sorted out so that she could even move forward. That was her form of therapy. My therapy was I went back to college. I used a college education as my therapy. I've got a big student loan because of it, but you know what? That's okay. Because what I did was, you know, Spanky's therapy helped her sort through all that and intervention. And in my case, it was, like I said, my education, but I went back to college and I finished my undergraduate degree and then I got a master's degree. But the way I used that was as therapy was it, it replaced, it moved out my Scientology thinking, all the bullshit, all the misinformation about the world. And I replaced that with facts and history from political science to studying everything from writing and art to sociology and psychology. I mean, everything I studied gave me truths about that showed the lies of Scientology and their perspective on the world. So ever since I was a kid, I really loved school and I wanted an education. So I finally got what I was seeking. That's great. But I, I, you know, and that is what screwed my head on straight. That's what enabled me to move forward. We were talking about this very thing last night and, and, and how even with all that, yes, to answer your question, there is certain Scientology thinking that still affects speaking for myself, me, things come up sometimes. Tony, I shared with you about a week or two ago that there are times when I talk about certain topics that my mind kind of goes into a clampdown. And it even happened to me while I was on the Aftermath show and Leah Remini was asking me questions about recruiting celebrities. Uh, It happened to me while I was being interviewed by Andrew Morton when he was writing Tom Cruise's book he was asking me about David Miscavige. And when certain topics come up, that there is so much trauma attached to those topics, my mind goes into a bit of a blank. Mm. And and I, like Spanky, I did go to counseling. I had PTSD counseling. I was diagnosed with PTSD back in 2004. So that PTSD counseling helped me tremendously. But there are times when certain topics trigger sort of a blankness. And so, but, you know, we know enough now, Spanky and I have learned how to live. You know, we've created new lives. Our identities are completely different now than they were then. Spanky, what are are some of the, uh, Spanky, what are some of the toughest things that were, that, that were most difficult to get rid of as far as the Scientology experience you went through? Well, I'm so grateful that I had this intervention, which was done, by the way, by Hannah Altrincham. Oh, she is Hannah Whitfield and her husband, Jerry. They were became exit counselors. And so um, they spent a couple of weeks with me going through the points of mind control, having me list out how everything and every point applied to me personally. Because even though I thought I was all over it, it's there's still it's, things are so deep seated. And if you have cobwebs just stuck in your head. So it was like I got my head power washed by them so that so that all those things that were really that I hadn't even realized because in therapy, they kept coming up these weird concepts 
And which is why they said you need an intervention, which I completely disagreed. Oh no, I'm all over that. But guess what? I wasn't. So after seeing many, many hours of films, learning about different groups, learning about phobia inducement and thinking if I left and turned my back on the truth, that it would just, I was doomed to hell. So it was so great going through the intervention and it helped me so much. I still, to this day, um, I think of those things, but it's kind of in perspective. So I, but I kind of, I consciously choose what to apply that I think was useful, that was plagiarized from somewhere else. And that's still true and workable because there's those things that were workable, which is how they helped us in the first place. Those few tidbits that Hubbard was at when and now plagiarized. So it plagiarized from good places in many cases. And that's the things that help people in those truths. Tony, I want to bring up something because um, we we were Spanky and I were talking about this last night about phobia inducement. Um, we brought up two things phobias that were induced. One of them, and both Spanky and I shared this. Uh, there's a uh, a datum in Scientology that if you leave the Sea Org, you are a degraded being, and you will never make it on the outside. And we talked about how that phobia affected us when we got out. Um, and, you know, in my case, it drove me to disprove it. And I, I, I did, what? I think that's the case for both I, of us. I think it, because look what, look what Spanky has done, created successful businesses. She's massively successful. And in my case, it I completed my education. I had the courage to actually have another marriage because you know you're a you're a degraded being you'll never make it on your own i've had successful jobs i achieved my goal of becoming a professor at a university uh, i'm a licensed realtor wrote a book. I, I wrote a book i got a degree i i teach uh, i have a successful marriage my husband and i just celebrated 23 years of marriage and uh he's I, I had no idea that I could have such a wonderful life because the phobia you leave Scientology with is you're a degraded being. You will never make it on the outside. Mm. Well, I, I, I've talked to Scientologists about how many years it takes to really undo that thinking. And I think the way that uh, these various traps that Hubbard sets for people and the thinking in Scientology I think it's one of the toughest groups to leave. I think it's really difficult to get people to sort of, uh, Sonny this week wrote about how just the idea of leaving, you're taught to be ashamed of in Scientology. Yes, yes. And, you know, that's a powerful, that. powerful idea. And so I, I, yeah, I applaud you both that you've done so, so well. Um, but part of the reason what we wanted to have this conversation was um, I was in Los Angeles for Danny Madison's trial. And, you know, a lot of that trial, This is, and this is something Karen brought up to me afterwards, I've been looking forward to talking to her about, was that a lot of that trial was testimony about how these women were punished for being victims in Scientology. And that Scientology has rules about not turning in somebody like Danny Masterson. Now, the Church of Scientology howled and screamed and, you know, complained to the newspapers this was all garbage and the judge is corrupt and all this garbage 
but it's right there in the rules. And every Scientologist I've talked to say, no, that's how it is in there. You know, you, yeah, it's in the books and you can't, you don't want to be a victim. So afterwards, Karen, you suggested that you and Spanky both witnessed for yourself how these things work, that, you know, uh, if you if you're victimized, you're taught that it's your fault. If you dare to speak up, you will be punished. So I was looking forward to some examples that the two of you have of seeing that while you were in Scientology, because, yes, it's been a while since you were in. But that's one of the things about Scientology. It doesn't change. And the things that these women were talking about with Danny Masterson are similar to things you saw even earlier. Right. Yes, absolutely. And I just want to add to that sort of framework, because Spanky and I were talking about how Scientology, and specifically in this case, Celebrity Center, creates a particular culture that has rules and parameters. And of course, that is a culture of superiority, a culture of exclusion, you know, the them versus us, the WOG versus Scientology. It's so insular as well. It's so insular. such an insular culture. And of course, within that is a culture of lies because we were taught as Sea Org members and Celebrity Center staff trained, you would do or say anything to protect Scientology, protect the Sea Org, of course, protect Celebrity Center and protect every celebrity online. Because as Spanky, you know, lived the life, we we protected every celebrity who walked in the door because we needed those people for credibility and the right. endorsement arm of Scientology. They they were the endorsement arm. Every celebrity. That's why you made them into spokespersons and stuff. I mean, my clients get paid millions of dollars, like Johnny Depp with the new DR contract. Mm -hmm. We but didn't have money. We didn't have money to turn those and turn those persons. So the celebrities in Scientology, they're like ornaments, right? I mean, yes, you want they want them to take the courses and do the uh, be Scientologists, but really, it's there to make Scientology look more glamorous, to make it's it look also legitimacy. That was their their billboards, arm, their endorsement their... arms, so that they could be spokesperson for the church excuse me, spokespersons for the church and give the church legitimacy and also the altitude of the position of being with these stars. So what Spanky just says is exactly the definition of how Danny Masterson was so elevated. Uh, you know, in the Jane Doe's testimonies, I was just blown away by how they described, they tried to report him to ethics but he was always called an upstat. And here he was sodomizing women, raping women, screwing up their whole lives, but he's an upstat. So you can't talk about him. You can't write a KR. You can't have any can't expectations for law enforcement. Can't use the R word. Can't use the R word. Can't use the R word. And while I was watching this, I have to say, watching or not watching but listening to the trial through your reports i was so struck by how blinded speaking for myself i was during that time period because all i saw and all i cared about i needed I celebrities in the org when i was the commanding officer of the network i needed celebrities online and i needed the gi that they brought 
and I needed the credibility that they brought us, advertising, marketing, and of course, recruitment. And so when you're being pounded for stats and your whole life depends, the quality of your life depends on your stats, that's all you care about. And right. the other stuff you become blinded to and it, 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 it corrodes your own personal values. It can corrode your conscience. You put KSW above everything, including your integrity. The other thing, Tony, I think is there's nothing more important. You're going to defend these signs. They are doing the most important thing in the world. They're helping to clear the planet. You don't want anything jeopardizing the organization or jeopardizing the celebrities for that reason. So you will do whatever you have, tap dance around, whatever you have to, to make sure that they get supported and backed up. And the, and the perspective we're sharing right now ties into the Jane Doe's because if the Jane Doe's or anyone else like the Jane Doe's would walk in and say, hey, John Travolta did X, Y, Z to me or some other celebrity did this to me, that person would be hauled in first to the president's office and grilled within an inch of their life and possibly be given a tailored ethics program or auditing action to handle them to change their perspective about what that celebrity did to them, just exactly like the Jane Doe's testified and what, what are and, some of the things the, what are some of the things that you saw going on when when the two of you were in what was what are uh, some of the I'll things you, you saw that happened just post me leaving i had a friend who was in at celebrity center beautiful girl and she had celebrity status because of approximately to a big star that she worked for who was a scientologist but she isaac hayes was very inappropriate with her very inappropriate and it, it, she couldn't tell anybody, so she it came up in session, and then it was revealed, and then and then she was called into ethics because it came up in her session, and they said you shut up about this, you don't say anything about this. I was like, what the what? You're kidding me! It broke my heart because she felt so violated, and he because he was talking about he's dead now, right? He was talking about um uh sexual advancement that she just needs to be gently coerced and do that she needs to be gently pushed into doing these things she's like no i don't want to do this and he got very offended and it, it came up in session and then she got called into ethics because she brought it up in session mm -hmm. and tony i'm just going to remind spanky i think you mentioned to me something about uh one of the directors i believe he's now passed away milton gonzalez yes yeah, Melton, because I, I had friends who had issues um, business-wise and otherwise with Milton. They were Scientologists as well. And guess what? It wouldn't matter because he was Milton. He had a lot of status. He was an upstat. So whatever they went through, it didn't really matter, no matter how unjust or unfair or perhaps even illegal it was because he had the status. He was an upstat. He was Milton. Well, Milton Katzelos is a very famous acting coach, and he ran the Beverly Hills Playhouse. And I'm a lot, a lot of uh, actors went through there and got into Scientology because because of that environment there. Yeah. But what's interesting about him is that later he started drifting away from the church, and so Miscavige, to punish him for it, <clears throat> used Grant Cardone to attack him. 
Grant Cardone was the enforcer that made interesting Milton's last few years really miserable. I get this oh, from I Milton's. I got so this from cool. Milton's former business partner. So he may have been upstat at one time, but once he wasn't upstat, oh, okay. he he became a target. So it's interesting sure. the way that changes. Interesting. No, I'm just saying in my days he had a lot of clout. Yeah, I'm sure he did. He's always a famous guy. And I'll I'll bring up a I'll bring up a personal uh, experience. When Peter Schles and I were at Celebrity Center, we had hired a Scientologist uh, accounting firm or money manager firm named Wiseman and Burke in Glendale, California. Bruce Wiseman, Kevin Burke. Uh, they, you know, did all of our accounting and banking and stuff like that. And they had a lot of, they were the go-to accountant for CC Public. And, and they pulled us into a conference room one day and, and said, look, we wanna give you some uh, investment advice. And they told us about Reed Slatkin. You remember Reed Slatkin from in the eighties. One of the biggest, well, it became, we later found out it was one of the worst Ponzi schemes in the US, but here was Reed, a Scientologist and it was Wiseman and Burke who were channeling investors a lot of their clients to invest in Reed Slatkin's little games that he had. And, uh, you know, ending, ending up, there were people like Ann Archer and God, just my ex-husband put money whole, in to read your ex-husband, yeah. Norm. We, and Matt I think Damon did too. Matt Damon did. Uh, we, I don't know, we lost about $20,000 or so, but the gross thing about that is we did that right when we were transitioning from, being CC public to joining the Sea Org. Mm -hmm. And so that loss of funds for us was a big chunk. Right. And 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 it was bad enough that Reed Slatkin, who was a Scientologist, did that to people and ripped off so many people. But it was worse even to me that Wiseman and Burke were the channels, such an unethical channel to suck money out of their clients and they earned a commission on whatever we invested. So the commission money that they earned, they then turned around and they were whale donors. I mean, they were channeling so much money into the church. And when we found out what was going on and we tried to report it, it was like, oh, you know, this is being taken care of and don't, you know, don't do anything about it and X, Y, Z. Well, you know, later, of course, we know that Reed Slatkin was investigated by the SEC and the FBI, and then he was put in prison. I don't know whatever happened to Wiseman and Burke. I never, did you ever oh, hear? I, I know he's still around. I mean, Oh I yeah. There was a Hollywood reporter story profile of them, uh, not uh, of Wiseman, not too long ago, several years ago. A great piece uh, to look that up, but you know, oh, that, I'd like to look it up too. Yeah, still, still going I strong. I would love, I would love to know what happened. I mean, the only thing that I know negative that happened to that family was that Bruce Wiseman's daughter Kendra then started Ex Scientology Kids with Jenna Miscavige Hill, who wrote an incredible book, of Beyond Belief, where she reveals the child abuse and the child neglect. Now that ties into my personal life because when I was at the Int base and I was on the RPF at Happy Valley, the kids unit 
was right across the sand in the desert away from us, but we knew the kids were there and we saw the way those kids were living and being treated. I mean, the lack of food, the lack of care, the, the abuse, the being children put to work in the heat and the hours of labor by the church who justified it every which way they can. And, you know, I will admit, I mean, there I was on the RPF. So did I have a way to report it to the police? No, not really. But I saw it. And at the time, my perspective on it was, what am I going to do about it? You know, Karen, didn't you also and, mention that you saw the kids at the annex that were the cadet org? Yes. When you were at CC. Yes. And that and, was and disgusting. I will, I will bring that up as well. But that's how Jenna Miscavige ties into me is she was there at mm -hmm. that time. Right. And I was, and I was an adult who didn't rescue any of those kids. I was on the RPF. So I was in my own prison of belief of being mm. punished. Right. And far be it from me to, I mean, we were just trying to survive from day to day at that point. Um, but I, I have really deep regrets about that. And Spanky brought up another point. When we were at the Celebrity Center, both of us at different eras, but the childcare unit, so to speak, at the time, I think was called the Cadet Org. Yeah. But they had um, children of all ages from babies into young teens, I guess. Mm -hmm. And when I was the COCC network, I would see kids coming in from the annex into the CC. The and annex was they, a building right behind Celebrity Center. For the, just for, for off to the side, it yeah. was really a degraded place. Right. And the kids would come in. And one of the first thoughts I had was, my God, these looks like, looks like waifs from the movie Oliver Twist. Sometimes no shoes. Dirty feet, dirty Nothing. clothes, diapers, dirty diapers, dirty diapers, dirty faces, crying, probably hungry. And they're grasping for their parents. And like I said before, you know, when a when an executive is being pounded for stats, what you care about is are those parents on post and are they producing and are they getting the stats up? And then the executive perspective of kids was the kids were a distraction to production. That is pathetic. And that perspective carries through in the whole way Scientology set up childcare. Parents were always separate from kids, distraction right. to production. But the thing is, we saw that, and I never reported it. And like Spanky and I were talking earlier, had we done the right thing, we would have report, re reported it to social services. And we would have reported it, not necessarily to law enforcement, but to social services so that the kids child could have been services, yeah. child protection, so they could have been taken care of. But Spanky has even well, more it's, to say it's, about uh, that. It's, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. And, and Spanky, of course, one of the key reasons she's in Going Clear uh, is the incredible story she tells about her, her own child and, and the yes. conditions there at the cadet Oregon escaping and all that. But you you also saw some things I hadn't heard about before, Spanky. Why don't you tell me about some of the stuff you were telling me the about? Six-year-old. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I was just saying to you, Tony, and I explained to Karen last night, there was such abuse of children and, and sexual abuse, as I believe, because I had other kids when they grew up come and talk to me about 
what kind of abuse they had to endure as in the cadet org and actual blatant sexual abuse and violations of these kids, um, sexual violations of them. But um, there was a kid when I was in the RPF, he was the son of a executive at ASHO at the time. And he was six years old and he was sent to the RPF for out to be. That means um, a violation in the, the area of sex and reproduction of children. So I couldn't imagine what this kid had done. And then I realized in retrospect, he had to have been victimized right. by these abusers that yeah. were in there abusing these kids. And he gets punished as, as it goes. That's so how that, so let me just, let me just translate a little bit for the okay. non-Scientology crowd. RPF stands for Rehabilitation Project Force. Right. It's the Sea Org's prison program. So that when you get into trouble or the way it worked back then, when you get in trouble in the Sea Org, you're sent to this prison program, the RPF. You, there's a lot of deprivations. You don't, you know, you you eat scraps. You have to run everywhere. You can't talk to people. It's a punishment. It's a punishment routine. Mm -hmm. And Spanky is talking about a six-year-old being sent to that prison program, punishment program, along with the adults, and that his uh, violation was out to D. There's eight dynamics in Scientology. The first dynamic is yourself. The second dynamic is you know, family, family and sex. sex. And then the third is the group. But what that translate is to is a, a six-year-old was put in Scientology's prison for some sexual violation. And now you're realizing he was the victim in that. And he was being punished for being a victim. Well, not even. I mean, I realized that after I got out, but I, a long time ago, but I went, oh my God, that child was punished so unjustly and needed and needed help why did nobody just help the child incredible 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 and look at the lawsuit right now the newest one with one of the jane does who is suing gavin potter and david miscavige and of course she's suing gavin potter for sexually abusing her when she was 16 and then and was told you either have to go into the rpf and be punished for it or marry the guy yeah and she felt that it was less uh, scary to marry this guy. But she's, you know, saying in the lawsuit that any sexual contact she had with him in those ensuing years, she considers non-consensual. And you can understand why. I mean, a 16-year-old forced to marry her abuser. That is the oh, Church of so Scientology. Sick. That's the Church mm -hmm. of Scientology. In a nutshell, there it is. And, you know, I think about it. I was looking up the quote from that the, one of the church spokesmen wrote about the Gavin Potter, uh, Jane Doe lawsuit. And he says, I, I, I typed it up uh, in response to the Danny Masterson conviction. The church has no policy prohibiting or discouraging members from reporting criminal conduct of anyone, Scientologist or not, to law enforcement. Church policy explicitly demands Scientologists abide by all laws of the land. Allegations to the contrary are false. Okay. I mean. I mean, that's just a, that's just a, a spokesman, you know, that's just a spokesman saying something for the press. Every Scientologist you talk to say, no, it's the exact opposite. I mean. Well, and here she and I are saying, in essence, it's, it's a culture of lies. We were we were trained in a culture of lies, right? Uh, and and it, it it was happening during her era era. Excuse me. 
it happened during mine, but she and I also did notice it seemed to get more militant after 1986, after LRH died and after new leadership took over. I think the oh, application of it absolutely became I mean, much more vi vicious, ruthless, and all of that. Hardcore. Yeah. Well, that's the thing it's important to keep in mind. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard wrote the rules that David Miscavige is enforcing. So, I mean, there's 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 blame to go around. But uh, yeah, he, Miscavige, you know, that's one thing that I appreciated most about Jenna's book, Jenna Miscavige Hill's book, is that, and I talked to her about this, that um, he just seems to really enjoy destroying lives and, and that, she, and from, but from a distance. And I, I remember telling Jenna, I said, you really kind of portrayed somebody who's a coward here. And she said, yep, <laughs> that's exactly what her uncle is. So uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's these ruthless, vicious rules that this man just seems to really enjoy enforcing. And it says right there in the book L. Ron Hubbard wrote, you're not to turn a fellow Scientologist in to civil authorities. It's right there in black and white. And it's just amazing to me the way every day during the trial, these reporters would ask Karen Powell, Corinne Powell about it. And she would just say, nope, that's not true. No, we don't do that. It's like, it's right I'm there. Just, I'm, I'm lying. Oh, uh, you know, as regards that, I, I have to ask a question, uh, Tony. I hope I can see your face again. I can't see you right now. Yeah, I can see him. Okay. So regarding that, it is written in the book. We all know it's policy. Leah Remini's show proved their their enforcement of that policy. It's it's known. The ethics book was even brought into the first Danny Masterson trial, and they read from it. It's it's impossible to disprove that that that's what the book says. So nobody has really challenged the church yet to say, okay, if you insist that you actually are requiring Scientologists to report criminal conduct, can you provide evidence that you reported any criminal conduct of Danny Masterson? Can you provide any could you provide any evidence that you reported his criminal conduct? Where's the evidence? If you say that you do that, show us. Right. Uh, let's let's ask about, what about uh, Reed Slatkin? What evidence can the Church of Scientology provide that they reported Reed Slatkin's crimes, fraud, money laundering, wire fraud, different kinds of fraud, I believe uh, Rivia, where's the evidence that you reported it to law enforcement? What about David Gentile? Okay, isn't he indicted now right. for for massive fraud? Okay, let's ask the church. Where is the evidence that you have reported because you knew those crimes were happening? You knew the crimes were happening. They've been reported on for years. Where's the evidence that you have provided a pro provided that evidence to law enforcement Tony, where is you've, it you've had so many people on your on the underground bunker who are facing charges for fraud chiropractors their staff and oh. how many have the church ever and those people ever for the unethical the only people the, the only people scientology reports 
to law enforcement are ex-Scientologists, right? right? right, right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I wonder about uh, Dr. David Minkoff. Did they ever report him to law enforcement no, no. for his actions? Uh, we could probably easily create a list and ask, where's the, where's the evidence that you reported these people to law enforcement? Wouldn't you love to ask that to a Scientology attorney? Yeah. No, it's very clear that, you know, people are punished for being victims. And I was just, I was just looking over, you know, uh, my website. I like to put quotes from L. Ron Hubbard from the fifties and sixties. It's just one of these silly things that I do. (laughs) And uh, so I happened to be going through something that Hubbard wrote in 1959 and it's right there in black and white. He is saying the worst thing you can be is a victim. And that, you know, that's what Scientology is. It's it's a it's a process for make, keeping people from being, allowing themselves to be victims. So if you come into Scientology and say, I was victimized by this other person, from the Hubbard point of view, you're literally undermining Scientology itself because you're a Scientologist. You're not supposed to be a victim, see? Mm-hmm. So anyway, but it's right there in black and white. And the, the important thing is, Judge Olmedo didn't buy it. She could see it right, right there in the book. The jury obviously heard it loud and clear. And Danny Madison was, was convicted. And now we've got some new stuff going on. I would love to hear from both of you what you think about Leah Remini's lawsuit that was filed this week. I think this has been a long time coming. She's got a great law firm. They've obviously put a lot of work into this lawsuit. And Boy, the stuff she listed in that lawsuit, the stuff she's had to endure, the online attacks, the attacks on her livelihood, the slimy, disgusting things being said about her by Scientology, clearly under orders by Scientology. Now she's suing. What what do you think about that, Spanky? I think I applaud her. I bow to her for her courage. It's so important. It's getting done. I... I wish more people had done it because I'm sure they did a website about her, the Slimer, much as they did with um, Karen and on myself, one of these stupid tabloid type bullshit website saying how we're liars and we're full of shit, whatever. And and I'm so proud of her, but I'm always proud of her because she is a courageous woman and stepping up and doing the right thing. And hail, hail. I just adore you, Leah. Thank you so much for your courage. Yeah, I, I I echo what everything Spanky says. Um, here, Leah has essentially been being punished for being an advocate for others. She's being punished for doing the aftermath show and exposing, exposing exposing true stories that have never seen the light of day. Scientology has wanted to keep them in the dark all along. I and I have to say, Tony, one of the things that and I'll get back to the lawsuit thing, but one of the uh, thoughts that triggered my conversation with you about, you know, discussing how celebrities Celebrity Center punishes the victims and covers up crimes. Here I had been a Scientologist for 16 years, or a CRG member for 16 years, and I've been out so long. But in 2017, I'm listening to the aftermath. And I see the story of Marie Bilheimer, who was in the Sea Org with her husband, Aaron Pullen. And she tells the story of 
I think about this. It's just awful. Yeah. I think they were in their 20s. Yeah. And her husband went in some room over by the Hollywood Boulevard and hung himself. Yep. I couldn't believe that story. I mean, so tragic, first of all, for Aaron, that he felt he had no other alternate option, solution than to hang himself. But then for Marie to discover her husband's suicide, and she tells in her story that she was put outside and told, don't say anything to anyone. And this was all reported to Osa, not to the police. I don't know how long it took Osa to finally report it to the police. uh, Yeah, they did eventually, but my God, for the coroner to come and whatever. I mean, who knows how long that was. Who knows how long. But this goes back to how Leah and Mike had the courage to put a show together to expose all this in aftermath. And then for Leah and Mike, but Mike had been in the Sea Org and we knew he would be an obvious target after leaving OSA. But Leah was a public celebrity And she used her celebrity to help bring justice to people who had suffered under Scientology's care. And really put it under the light. And look what happened to her as a result, being punished. It is no wonder she would file a lawsuit. I well, think it's it's a it's a there's a risk involved. I mean, she's being very brave. And Spanky, I was gonna ask you this is that you know, Spanky, I don't know if everybody knows it, but you work with celebrities, you help them out uh, in their lives. And uh, there's risks involved for celebrities speaking up. And, uh, you know, Leah has been speaking out very loudly for a while now. And and she yeah. is revealing in this lawsuit that it's costing her, that, that, mm-hmm. that she's lost a podcast and she lost it again. That she's the pop, perhaps lost this game show uh, gig. Uh, I mean, that's real damage. I mean, isn't that something that you always have to weigh with your clients? Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, because what I take care of specifically is the the uh, audience response, the public's um, dealing with the, the, my clients and and their threat assessment, like monitoring like obsessive fans, monitoring any threats, monitoring any um uh, just crazy threatening keeping celebrities TV. safe keeping celebrities yeah, safe yeah yeah and but but and also we have law enforcement people that deal with anything that's really dangerous but um absolutely there's a risk and that that this affects her livelihood her income it's that's so frightening to me which is why i said it's incredibly courageous of her like it would uh, Karen said about um, the lady who whose husband Marie Bilhan, yeah, who who um, hung himself at the H at the Hollywood Inn. Um, that's so painful to me that that happened, and um, and it's so disgusting that it got swept under the rug. And it took for Leah to come forward to expose it because how would people know otherwise? I didn't know about that. All right. Well, well, I, this, didn't, this I is, didn't know about it prior this to is, that. This, this is where Tony Ortega steps in and says he actually covered it at his website before Leah put it on her show, but what's well, okay. Oh, okay. 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 I missed the story. I missed <laughs> the story. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's well, it's, Ortega. It's, 
That Tony Ortega thing. That Tony, he's such a shit disturber. That Tony Ortega. He'll get into everybody's business. He'll expose anything. Well, let's talk about Tony Ortega. Look at the shit you take for exposing stories. You know, I, are you this kidding is, me? Well, this is what my personal message to Leah the day the lawsuit came out. I sent her a message and I just I thanked her because there are a lot of us who get smeared and attacked mm-hmm. and that, you know, probably are losing business opportunities because of it. We're being harmed. But I don't have the resources to sue the Church of Scientology. And I told her, I think that there are a lot of people that are going to feel like she's taking on this case for them and that it's it's incredibly brave that she's doing so because look what she has to do right away. She has to expose herself and talk about the losses she's had and the things being said about her. I mean, I, I said something about this on my own video this week. It's like, I, it's something I don't usually report about, you know, these slimy websites that attack her and Mike and me and other people, you guys, I usually, I usually, I usually don't report on them because I feel that it just brings attention and helps Scientology spread its smears. And so that's the first thing she has to do in a lawsuit like this is here are the terrible things they're saying about me. That takes guts. You know, I really admire that she's doing that. She's really taking on this battle for a lot of people and it's going to last a long time. And of course, Scientology is just going to make it as, you know, frustrating as possible i have i have a question i wonder if they're going to try the arbitration thing on her i don't know if i don't know if they can or not that might be interesting she was never staff oh you don't have to be you don't have to be if you signed any if you took any service if you took a course if you took a course from scientology you signed a waiver that has an arbitration clause on it i don't know if everybody i don't know if everybody realizes i don't I don't know that I don't know that that happened in my day because let me just explain. Of course, I was earlier and she was earlier than me. But when I was out of the church and I had gotten my first book contract with a book publisher in Nashville, we were about to publish a book. It was Broadman and Holman, and it was in the year 2000. Uh, I think Mike Grinder might have been over OSA at that time, but in any case, (laughs) (laughs) in any case. I was contacted by a Scientology attorney named Elliot Abelson, who wrote a very threatening letter to me. I still have the letter. I will save that letter forever. And it, it, he orders me to immediately cease and desist talking about Scientology to the media. Because in those days, I was, there weren't that many people that were out that were speaking out doing no, media. Right. And I had been contacted by like NBC Dateline, CBS, and a bunch of different groups. And uh, and, and the fact that the, the book, I had a book contract. So what happened was Broadman and Holman sent my manuscript to a, a legal firm, I believe it was in Washington, DC, for a legal review mm-hmm. to say what sort of threats that manuscript might have posed. Obviously, somebody in the legal community spilled the beans to a Scientology attorney. That triggered a letter to me from Elliot Abelson demanding that I cease and desist. And in the letter, and I can show you the letter, Tony, it says that as an employee, he referred to me as an employee. He didn't refer to me as like a, you know, what they refer to now. 
he recalled me an employee. As an employee of the Church of Scientology, you should not be doing this, that, and the other. Completely different language from what the church is saying to people now who speak out, who did sign waivers or whatever else they signed. But he, he called me an employee. So that's a different status than I think what- it was yeah it was sometime in the late 90s early 2000s that they hit on this strategy and they started having everyone sign these documents and I think it was during Leah's era so I'm just saying I I don't know that they'd be able to get away with it but it'll be interesting to see if Scientology tries that trick and says can you, know, you imagine <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> trying because she'll just go her- right, she'll just go right into court and say look look what happened to the Bixler case all of the attacks I'm talking about happened after I left Scientology. So, you know, the contract should not apply, but I'm still I'm still thinking Scientology might try. It's going to be really <laughs> interesting watching this case. Really interesting. Oh my god. It'll be insane. I I just I just applaud Leah for never giving up, never losing hope, never losing her badass self because I I tweeted this today after I read about, I read the whole document of the lawsuit and everything. And I said, Leah Remini is a far greater badass than David Miscavige. Who is a coward, I think. his life will be (laughs) hell. His life will be hell from this moment on. Of course, you know, I went through, you know, during the Time Magazine era, the big story that came up. I was at Exec Strata at that time, or I was at the InBase and I will never forget that era because when uh the whole situation developed we had teams of digging up research and writing counterattacks uh to uh who was was it rick ross and i loved him and meanwhile you're dealing with that and tony and are busy helping richard Bayhar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I would presume he was. I know I was because he, he called me. I was providing data and helping him. And, <laughs> I, and then then he called me one day and said, Spanky, they got my phone records. They know how much we've talked about. Oh, damn. oh no. I was, still, like, I was still trying to be under the radar. Tony knew who I was. One other journalist, journalist knew who I was in my real name but oh my god i was so freaked out because and richard knew who i was because he'd come to my house and i knew and <laughs> I, no I just idea. adored him and oh my god i was like oh put a bullet in my head i was so freaked they're gonna kill me they're gonna kill me oh my god and jerry and hannah were also in his there office. i was helping with research to <laughs> attack richard Barr. oh he's so but, lovely he's he's, the, he's great but the point being you know it was it was literally a time of war a time of war and total attack. And I actually wonder if you've heard anything about like now that Leah has launched her website or excuse me, her lawsuit, can you imagine the team that they're going to assemble to, to counter that lawsuit? Oh yeah. Can you so imagine? So much money they're going to spend fighting that lawsuit just like they did the others. They can turn around and get Everyone like yourself, like Richard Behar, like all these people who can come forward and talk about how they were dirty tricked and how they were try they uh, how people tried to obliterate them from from the guys of the New Yorker and Larry Wright, you know, all the awful stuff to back up what Leah's doing to say, look, we've all been harassed, we've all been 
dealt a dirty hand by the organization continually. Well, to that extent, I, I read somebody's comment, I think it was on Twitter, about how there is so much evidence out there on that supports, backs up Leah's lawsuit of what Scientology has done. There's so much evidence out there. Scientology has literally shot themselves foot bullets. You go anywhere. You can find horrible, horrible posts right, about so Leah, that's, website, that's, pictures. It's that, all evidence. That's what I was saying about her in my previous video was that she's got so much good evidence and specific evidence about how it has harmed her ability to make a living. That is huge in a lawsuit like this, okay? Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, I mean, I, one of the tough things in the other lawsuit, like the Bixler lawsuit, is, yes, these women's phones have been hacked, uh, they've been surveilled, their pets have been poisoned. But the tough thing is going into court and showing the evidence that it was the church that did it. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I hope they have good evidence about that. But sometimes it's tough to make that connection. Whereas with Leah, when a Scientology attorney is sending the letters to the company that is now chickening out and ruining your show, there's just no question who's behind it. So she's really in a strong position with the with the podcast stuff. Uh, and and so that's why I think that it's it's a really strong lawsuit, and I applaud yes. the detail that she put into it. Oh, absolutely! And and just to add to that, look at what what uh, the church tried to do when they were doing the aftermath show, and they were trying to get Mike fired from uh, his who was it that from uh, A and E. They tried to get him fired from the position, and of course, tried to get the show canceled. I mean, they've got letters, they've got text they've got so much evidence they yeah. had members picketing disney and incredible stuff even when they did that millennium show uh, that was a, that was a spoof on scientology which is a brilliant show um they had picketers out protesting at disney crazy absolutely well i remember when uh aftermath was about to start um, the, remember the very first episode of Scientology and Aftermath featured Amy Scobie and uh, footage of her mom, Bonnie, who yes. had passed away. And um, one of the stories that they tell in that very first episode is that uh, Amy was sexually assaulted by an older man when she was an, a minor working at a Scientology mission. Right. Well, in order to try to convince A&E not to air this series, Gary Soder an attorney for the Church of Scientology wrote a letter to Annie and said that this is an untrue story and that Amy was the aggressor. Of course. Whoa, that's what of, they course do. of course. <laughs> of course. Of course. The Church of Scientology saying that the 16-year-old girl who was sexually assaulted is not true because she was the one who was really at fault. Incredible. Yes, yes. And you know, incredible. I got that of letter. Course. I got that letter. I published that letter and nobody picked it up. Nobody ever has picked it up. I hope that gets put into the lawsuit and maybe some of these other news organizations will pay attention to the lengths mm. Scientology will go. They have, there's no boundary. There's nothing. No, there, there's, no. Honey, there's no decency. We were talking about that with the dirty tricks that were done, things that were done to Hannah years ago, almost driving to a breakdown because it was just, there's no conscience. They're, they're just, 
Well, they're, they're saving indecent. the they're saving the planet, right? They're saving the planet, and so they will do whatever There's it no takes. Limitations, absolutely. Anything goes. Wow, amazing. So, what are some of the celebrations you have planned there, Karen, for this? Oh my goodness! Well, first of all, let me just say, my friend Spanky Taylor oh, knows the best restaurants. Of course, look at me in the valley across Hollywood, the whole LA area. So we have hit some of the highlights. We're having an eat fest. Beautiful. Yesterday, we, yesterday we went to Katsuya, which has the best sushi I've had anywhere ever. And I've eaten sushi on a couple of continents. This was the best. Then we hit this Italian restaurant. Which you went to with me, Tony. Prosecco Trattoria in and Studio City. Oh my God. You remember those clams, Tony? Crazy. Tonight, we're going to another one. We're going to Castaways, where I took you for your birthday. Oh, my goodness. This is an incredible restaurant up on a hill <laughs> in Burbank. Now, I will share with you that tomorrow, we were going to do it today, but we changed. Tomorrow, we might get into some good trouble. Not I. <laughs> I can't run fast enough because I'm a gimp. <laughs> <laughs> with Tori Crispin. And then I have a friend coming to see me who is one of my heroes, who I think I told you, Tony, has moved back to Southern California. And we may be seeing her on Saturday. Wow. And then, of course, we've got to go to the beach. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's August. It's got to be getting pretty nice there. I know. It's hot, 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 honey. It's very hard for me. Oh, I bet. Because of the heat. Yeah. So Tony, you you remain one of my heroes. Oh, uh, I realize that same, Leah same. is doing the lawsuit. Um, I just, you know, when I read about her lawsuit, I was thinking of other people who are doing similar things uh, to expose Scientology, and you're for sure one of those people. I mean, it's amazing to me that you you persist as you do, and you just keep it up no matter what. Well, thank you. You know, I get to meet people like you too. I mean, it's been an amazing journey, and uh, I, I always love these, talking. About thirty years of our friendship, Tony. Truly, I'm grateful for it. I want to see more pieces coming out in Rolling Stone. I love the pieces yeah. that Ooh, they publish of yours. I've got something cooking. I oh, had a little. Okay. I had a little bit of a breakthrough today. Oh, oh. Mm, you're gonna tell us the topic? I, I cannot say anything yeah. about <laughs> it. <laughs> well, you let us know when you can. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Yikes! I got somebody to talk to me today. I never thought would, and I'm. Ooh, oh, oh, mm. all right. <laughs> Don't cut this out of the video. <laughs> uh, I won't. I won't. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I said something this week, I've got a procedure coming up and I'm going to be a little bit light on the online for a little while, but as you can see, I'm, I'm uh, nice and healthy and feeling fine. And I just, yeah, you got get... pink cheeks. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> got done with way. a 300 mile bike ride to the Catskill mountains. I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm feeling good. Uh, just need to get through this little thing I got to go through and then, uh, they tell me I'll be back pretty quickly to work. So I, I, I just wanted to say so much support this week. Wonderful messages I heard from people all over the country, friends I haven't heard from in lot, many years. It's just been wonderful and I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, look, I'm going to, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Just going to have some brief interruptions. And uh, I, I just, you know, look, it's getting to know people like you two is why I even do this. You know, I mean, Spanky, you've been so, so helpful to me and, Karen, I've learned so much about this whole crazy stuff from you. 
So uh, Thanks, I just Tony. really appreciate you guys. Well, we love you. Uh, we love you. you. And I, I just want to say, I hope you and Chris Shelton continue your straight up and vertical oh, videos so good. that summarize the week. I, I look forward to those because I, I am familiar with your stories. And then Chris adds a perspective that I always find really, in, really interesting, whether it's informative, educational, uh, a different perspective. I really like it. I love oh. I and respect Chris and the amount of time he's taken to get educated and everything and like really learn because I'm so happy. It's so important to me that people lead and they take the time to get educated on what happened to us because so many people don't. And it results in cult jumping. It results in so much when you don't, it's so easy to get propagandized to when you have wrong information. And, um, I, you know, I was so grateful because I really, buckled down and learned a lot and because of my intervention i really started reading and studying stuff so i'm grateful for that i didn't get the degree of education that miss karen got but i got enough that because i really grew up thinking hubbard had invented the wheel so i'm so grateful for that and i so admire what chris does so much and you know I, it, chris. I am too and it's just, it is amazing to me because i've talked to you know, your our good friend Tori was one of the first I interviewed, and I yeah. she she was the one that educated me how long it can take to get out of this way of thinking. Chris Shelton's one of those people. He he was out one day, and the next day he's making videos. I mean, the guy just he, I know. he got out and he had his head on straight right away. But I like, I do <laughs> enjoy also, that Tony. It's it's in the day of Tori, she had at least the internet when I got out you know, we were just floundered. We didn't know what to do or get information, but um, I'm so glad he did. And that helped his recovery and it helped Tori's too. She got active, pretty active and pretty quickly. Well, you know. I'm have to go because my computer's running out of charge here. Okay. Well, listen, thank you. It's It's been an hour. I really appreciate it, you guys. Thank you so much. Thank hope, you. Honey. Hope to see you too before, uh, both of you before too long. Thank you for another episode of the Underground Bunker Podcast. Thank you.